This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Okay, Winning Plays Podcast is back, and we are on location, coming from you from the the dreary sites of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where it is it is cold, it is the first week of May, and it feels like <laughs> it could be the dead of winter after the Celtics drop a game three, 103-101 to the Milwaukee Bucks. On Saturday, my name is Brian Robb, joined my, my partner in crime at MassLive.com, Suichi Tirada. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. That's at S-O-U-I-C-H-I, Tirada, T-E-R-A-D-A. Uh, Suichi, how are you? Thanks for doing this show. <laughs> wow, you nailed the, uh, the spelling of my name. It's always weird to hear what somebody else say it, but... Things aren't, aren't too bad, I guess, besides the weather. The food is cheap, as we learned in Milwaukee. Yes. I tell everybody I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Michigan. Things are much cheaper <laughs> when you're not in Boston, believe it or not. Uh, and the food is pretty good just because there's, there's really not too much to do in the Midwest. Like, I'll be the first one to say that. So, like, what do you do in Milwaukee? I'm not sure, but you can't you can eat a lot of cheese curds and drink a lot. So, that's uh, it's simply one of those things that you can do. And, and you just roll with it just because there isn't too much to do in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I like the city for the most part. No, the, the carrots is right. And that's probably what the Celtics were doing after game three, just stuffing their face <laughs> of carrots in their sorrows after um, a pretty, pretty incredible finish, to be honest, with the amount of stuff that happened in the final there. And we're honestly, we're, we're about a day out from game three. We're not going to go too much there. So I want to start here by just taking a more forward look at the series right now. And I'll, I'll pose this to you. What is, on a, level, on a scale of one to 10, what is your confidence level that the Celtics come back and like win this series altogether right now, just based on what you've seen so far and what you expect to see over the rest of the series right now? Ooh, win the series. I would say probably like a five or six and yeah, maybe, yeah, like right around a five, I would say just like, cause you, I, I, I came into both like the two sets of games, the games one and two, I thought they would split it. I thought they would split three and four. So I, that that still is very much so in play. Uh, I expected them to win last night and drop game four, so maybe it'll be flipped. I also expected them to win one game one and lose game two. So that was also flipped. So I, I don't know. For the most part, though, I think I think you look at game three, you look at how poorly they played, especially that third quarter, especially that entire first half, really, right? Like the first three quarters weren't exactly great basketball from the Celtics. And and they still had a chance to win. Like, realistically speaking, like, we, we can say whatever we want. We can break down game three as much as we want. But, like, the bottom of the line is the Celtics only lost by two. And if they had, like, two more seconds on the clock, like, that game was probably going to overtime. So, I, I, I just think you feel okay, I would say, if you're a Celtics fan, just because Tatum played really, like, the worst postseason game of his career. And you, and you lost by two on the road. And sure, like, Derek White played well. Al Holford played well. Jalen played well on the fourth. Like, all those factors come into hand, but like, I think the Celtics are like really they're they're, they're more than okay grinding out a game, and I think it, compared to Game One, like I thought the physicality from the Bucks, like they were they really bothered the Celtics in Game One, whereas like Game Three, I thought they were I thought both teams were just throwing haymakers at each other, and and that's probably why there were you know people were complaining about the refs because both teams are throwing haymakers and both and not all those things are going to get called. So I, I I think you feel good about it. I think you feel good about like the mental like fortitude of this team especially after what they went through in the regular season so all things point to me being like hey it, it, it could still go either way obviously game four is, is a big swing game but if you can get home court advantage again I think the Celtics can take care of business in five and seven it, it really depends on how uh tomorrow night goes which uh 
I'm curious to see. I, I think it could go either way, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, yeah no, that's that's gonna be a biggie. There's no question about that. But I mean, I'm a I'm a few in taking the the half the glass half full view here. Of you just look at you know the the talent on the floor through three games and the adjustments that have been made right now. And I'm not sure either team has much left in the cupboard right now, barring a, mm-hmm. a surprise Chris Middleton return far later in this series. And so, you know, the Bucks dropped their starting, their triple big lineup. They went smaller. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the area where the Celtics really need to take advantage of it more heading into the rest of this series. And as part of that starts with Tatum and, you know, not delivering an absolute done. We'll get into him a little bit more later, but when the Bucks put Grayson Allen into the starting five and also have, um, you know, Portis out there at points coming off the bench with just less, less help, less rim protection help around him, like not playing with, with, with Giannis and Perk Lopez, like, like the Celtics just need to get after those matchups like a lot because those yeah. guys are, have a target on their back and they did. And that's, I think a big part of why they got back in the game and game in the fourth quarter of game three, mm-hmm. but they need to be, I think just more relentless with that yeah. and, and in the Bucks' decision to say, okay, we're going to, we want to spread the floor more around Giannis, um, but you're giving up a lot defensively. I think for the Bucks, if you do that. Yeah. And I think that's a good point too, just because I remember one play yesterday when Jalen went just went right at Giannis and Giannis didn't really contest. Cause I think it was like sometime in the third quarter and Giannis already had three fouls. And, and that's another thing too, about just continuing to attack them. Like I was like, the Celtics should just keep attacking Giannis. Like obviously like he's Giannis on the Kumpo, but like, he, he pretty much, like, gave up, like, an open, like, a free layup. I, I thought there was going to be more of a contest, but he was clearly just conscious of foul trouble. And I think that's just one of those things, right? Like, in game one, we saw the Celtics were, like, like I said, like, they were bothered by the physicality, but at the end of the day, like, they, they just didn't attack enough. Whereas I think they're being a little bit better about picking and choosing when they do attack. And that puts a lot more pressure on, on the Bucs, right? Like, if, if Giannis is in foul trouble, like, who do they have behind them? Like, yeah. you mentioned Chris Middleton, but, like, I think at halftime, it was something like, Giannis and Brooke Lopez are both shooting above 50%. Like the rest of the team was shooting, like, you know, I forgot what it was, but it was like 30% or something like ridiculously low. Like that's, I think, why you would feel optimistic if you are the Celtics. Cause I don't think game three would be close to Chris Middleton was there. Cause um, like Holiday for, you know, he had the, he had the pretty much an icing shot and everything, but he wasn't exactly doing great offensively. Like besides Giannis, like there aren't that many options. And I think that's what's allowing the Celtics to hang around, even when they are not playing well in, in games one and three. So, in terms of attacking them, I, I just think you, you have to put more pressure on them. Um, like you mentioned, like, like, you know, like I said, with Giannis and foul trouble and everything, like if you, if you can kind of neutralize him as much as you can, like you did, like they did in games one and two, like it, that's a completely different ball game uh, for game four. Yeah. So that's, and the decision-making plays a big part in that in terms of, okay, when you go after them and, you know, him and Lopez and when you kind of pull back, but, yeah, like the being aware of when he is in foul trouble, not wanting to pick up that extra spot, like that, like that play you mentioned, and then just getting better with reads and like forcing. Okay, like if you can attack other players, and then Giannis has to become a help defender, then you can get him in rotation, and then mm-hmm. you make the couple extra passes. And they did that. You know, it's it's the same old story of this team so each year. Like you, <laughs> we see this in phases, and then it goes away. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, okay, you can't. You're not going to be able to do it to 48 minutes against the Bucks, but you're probably going to have to do it for like three quarters. You're probably going to have to like really lock in unless you shoot the lights mm-hmm. out like you did in the first half of game two. And that's something where, I mean, obviously Tatum was a big um, red flag in the game. Two. I don't think Marcus Smart had a particularly 
good game on mm-hmm. second look. Um, yeah. Everyone kind of had like some, some dumb turnovers and then, you know, smart shooting. You, you give him some slack there since that was his first game back and you're not going to expect him to be there, but like you're going to need, you know, better from, from just setting the table from guys like that to be able to, you know, get into the teeth of the Bucks defense and not have two corners where you combine for, for 36 points. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The, I think the turnover thing is, is truly the one that you, you, you shake your head at just because they've mentioned this like multiple times, like they've been a really good team defending the Bucks in the half court. Whereas, you know, especially in that third quarter, like you saw, you saw the turnovers, you saw the transition buckets, you saw, and, and, and I think that's my biggest takeaway or not my biggest takeaway, but like one of the big takeaways I've taken, is just like from the first three games, is just, if, if you can get the Bucks playing in the half court and they slow it down, like the Celtics are good enough to right to just bother Giannis to bother the rest of the team. But if you, if, if Giannis comes at you downhill with like a full head of steam, like how, how are you going to stop that? Like you, you just can't. Right. So I think that's, that's, I think the most frustrating part, if you're a Celtics fan properly, like you see all those turnovers, you see all those like transition opportunities, and it's just easy buckets. And, and quite bluntly, the Celtics aren't getting those same looks in transition. Like they, it seems like, you know, I think I forgot who said this yesterday, but they keep going up against these, these big guys, Brooke Lopez or Giannis or someone. And they just don't seem like they have a plan when they go up and that, and, and that leads to turnovers, that leads to more bucks points. And that leads to easy buckets that if you were playing in the half court, like it won't be near, it won't be nearly as easy for the bucks. So I think, it's just so it's just easy opportunities that just keep adding up. And I think that's why, you know, even in game two, like when the Celtics were shooting light out, like that's why the Bucks are kind of able to get back in it when Giannis had his big third quarter. So, but like you said, like you just need to play at least three good quarters. Um, and, and the Celtics quite only didn't do that in game three. They still had a chance to win. So yeah. it's, it's, yes. a, it's a strange team, but, but I, I, I just think it's weird how this very, this roster with with a lot of playoff experience just, just has these like lulls essentially like in the third quarter yesterday. Well, it's it's just there, and I I mean we both wrote about it at Mass Live over like last twenty four hours. You know, just some you know you had a nice breakdown of the play by play the last two minutes, and just going through like the decision making there and and mm. pointing out there's you know, like one play where you know Jalen Brown in the last you know with the a crucial possession Celtics down one like 30 seconds left or so. And he just, he makes a great play to go like to shake holiday, but then mm-hmm. he runs into the trees at the rim. And like you said, like he kind of went up there without a plan. Yeah. And that was a situation where if it was there, like, great. Like you take that shot. He like, he was great mm-hmm. all fourth quarter, but, and like it, it wasn't there. And that was a situation where like game one against the nets last year, you think they learned in that situation. Okay. It's not there. Let's reset. Let's mm-hmm. recycle here and get a good look. And, too many times in the last minute of that game, whether it was Brown on that play or, or smart turning down a wide open pass to, for Jalen for a three in the corner, which is just a better look you want to get for that guy than the play before that. Um, you, 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 you're not going to get away with that against the bucks um, in, in these type situations, I feel like. Yeah. And, and I think I liked your take on the Marcus three, just because it was open. It wasn't in that all these good things, but I thought the extra pass to Jalen on Pomfret are looking like I thought the extra pass to Jalen in the corner was like the exact type of play you saw on the buzzer beater from Marcus on, against the Nats. Like, right. realistic, like Ime said post game of that, you know, after the buzzer beater, like that would have been a fine shot, realistically speaking, especially with like three seconds left. But Marcus decided, hey, let's 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 see what I can do with these three seconds, and obviously found Jason for the for the game winner. And I thought it was kind of the same thing where 
at the end of the day, like the shot is fine. It went in and out. Like it, it very much so could have gone down, but like crunch time, like if Marcus makes that pass to Jalen, like we don't know obviously if Jalen's gonna hit that corner three, but it's the good, the great shot that they that they the Celtics keep talking about over the past two weeks, right? Like that they want that to be part of their identity, and I thought that would have been a perfect time to do it. Uh, you know, they saw how good it looks, Suichi. They like they, <laughs> they had a taste of it. You think like that they turn a corner, but it's like no, it's like they still they can't they can't help themselves at times. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. So here here we are discussing a loss, even though you know a three there. I, I think the the maddening part too, right? Is like I think that was the same possession where Jalen missed the three, then Marcus missed the three. Like if Either yeah. of those go down, like we're, we're talking about a completely different situation. Um, oh, yeah. Funnily enough, like Grant got the first offensive rebound, but then he actually had, I, I thought he had a decent chance at the second one, the, the one that went off his right hand and just went out, out of bounds. Like, you, who knows, right? And I don't know. B-Rob, I don't know how you feel about it, but I just think there's such like a luck factor when it comes to closing out clutch games, right, in terms of the timing and everything. But like I wrote about it in the piece in Mass Live, but like the Drew Holiday shot that put them up three, like that was realistically like, all things considered, I thought it was pretty lucky. Like, it bounced in. Like, you kind of got tangled up with Tatum. Like, credit to Holiday for making that shot. But, right, like, that could have easily been a miss. And then we're talking about a completely different situation. But the Celtics are only down one with, you know, a dozen seconds left. Yeah. And realistically, like, a miss there, I thought. I was wondering it, too, before the play. Like, if Holiday missed that, I think maybe Ime rolls with just letting, you know, doesn't call a timeout, um, similar to game one against the Nets. So I saw a lot of parallels there, right? And it's just like basketball is a difficult thing, especially like down the stretch and everything. Um, obviously, you're on the road, so that's a little bit different. But I think there's just like a luck factor where the Celtics weren't, you know, if they had two more seconds on the clock, right, Howard's tipping probably goes in. So, but I, I still think you can kind of, you know, look back at the decision making and come away a little bit frustrated if you're a Celtics fan just because things could have been better uh if the, you know one bucket one play it went differently uh like yesterday yeah it's I mean there's all sorts of complaining about the officiating but to your point <laughs> the bottom line they the game was there for them like they were up one mm. they had a chance to go up for on multiple occasions they had chances to get stops on holiday and Giannis to play before that and then those guys mm. just they executed and yeah. the Celtics didn't, and that's where we are. So heading more into Monday here, like what do you, you know, we saw the, the tweaks the Bucks made. George Hill came back. He wasn't really much of a factor at all. I honestly barely yeah. noticed he was on the court. Um, <laughs> so, but if you are Ime here heading into game three, I mean, game four, like do you, are you mixing anything up based on what you've seen from guys in this series so far, based on just how – you know, this thing is progressing and what the Bucks are trying to do with you. Um, not even like, I, I say I don't expect a, a starting lineup change or anything at this point, even though I think mm -hmm. you could conceivably just start Grant and just like go with your <laughs> best lineup out of the gate. Um, yeah. But yeah. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to do that yet. Uh, that could be a three, one mm -hmm. move. Um, but yeah, like yeah. What, what do you see from that standpoint? Um, I think, yeah, like the one starting lineup move would be that. I mean, Grant comes in at what, like an eight, nine minute mark. Yeah, he's coming to come in early. Like, They're not going to do that. Like, yeah, like sub <laughs> in early. Yeah, exactly. So, it, you know, he's not starting, but he is playing all the minutes and everything. Um, one thing I would probably want to see is just like kind of getting Al a little bit more involved. It's just, it just seems like there are spurts where obviously Al played great in game three, but there are spurts where he clearly shows like he, he's got kind of the juice going. And it just doesn't seem like, they call his number as much. I, I, I would probably want to see Al a little bit more involved. I'd probably want to see uh, Derek White a little bit more involved because yeah. he did hit a couple threes. Um, it was funny. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how you, you felt about it, B-Rob, but, like, 
I look up and I'm like, oh, Derek White has 14. Like, hit a couple threes, you know, get into the free throw line a consistent amount. He, he'll do the, you know, he does the Derek White things where, like, he'll play solid defense. He'll make the right pass. He'll pick up a few assists that you don't even notice. Like, he's a very low-key player. But, you know, I, I would try to ride that a little bit more just because, um, you know, Coy Barley, like, I wrote about Peyton Pritchard and, like, how he's ready to shoot his way through the playoffs. But, like, if those threes aren't going down, like, it is a tough ask to, to kind of ask, you know, throw him out there and everything, even though – Giannis was on, you know, Peyton was on Giannis and, and Giannis passed out twice, <laughs> which, which I still can't get over. I thought that was the funniest thing from uh, game three that I, I went, I went to go back. I went to go watch it back on replay and uh, I, I just laughed, but I, I, I think intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like the six foot, six foot um, dude from uh, Oregon. But I, I think you look at those two guys and I really just think, like, you just need more from, you know, Jason and Jalen. Like, even Jalen, like, he had 15 and fourth, I believe, yesterday. Like, he he needs to do better in the first three quarters. Like, he can't be that passive, right? Like, I think he was, like, decent efficiency. He had 12 points through three, and then he explodes in the fourth. But it's just, like, you need more. Like, if you, you know, if you had a couple extra buckets in the third and you not double up, I, that could make a difference, too. So, I, I think you look at all those factors. But I, I'm curious to see how Ime works folds in Al and Derek and, and Al especially just because he mentioned this yesterday real quick but it's just he like the Bucks you know they're, they're obviously dropping in coverage like Al needs to make those threes to keep them honest and he, and he did that a lot in the fourth quarter yesterday and that was a huge part of the Celtics comeback so I, I think getting him a little bit more involved uh, would be beneficial for the Celtics I think uh, especially if he can you know especially if he's hitting those threes uh, on like the beginning of the season yeah I mean he's been just an absolute force in this year I mean all postseason period but now in this series, he's shooting, you know, 43% from three on yeah. high volume. He's averaging a double-double, um, just cleaning up on the class. Um, yeah, if he can – if he – when he's playing at this level, like this is – like if he's doing that, if you told me he was doing that before the series started, I'm like, okay, this is – looks like tank care business here. And it's someone mm-hmm. going to waste from that standpoint. But to me, like where are you – I'm. I think the one of the biggest X factors going forward in this series is like, I think the Rob Williams like situation mm-hmm. is fascinating to me because you can mm-hmm. you can make a case either way for him. Like he had he had pretty solid numbers overall: ten points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals, three blocks in just twenty three minutes. But he was also team worst minus thirteen, mm-hmm. and it's like he it kind of reminds me of Rob Williams from like a year ago, mm-hmm. of where you he has these really nice sequences. But then he's also like getting lost or like bulldozed at times yeah. defensively. And so it's clear that, yeah, like Grant Williams, like your best defensive lineup now has Grant Williams in place of Rob. Mm-hmm. But the offensive rebounding and the, the rim running stuff should be something you could use here against the Bucks. But Rob almost seems kind of hesitant around I me. Mean, he had a couple chances to like just throw it down on like, and then he yeah. is back to like the pass out to the three, which is like, okay, like. No, you need those shots or you get Celtics are getting plenty of threes. Like, so yeah. it, I think that's gonna be a tough one for Emay to like to, and I think it's just gonna have to be a, a, a nightly read now in terms of what you're getting yeah. from him and how much, if this is like a good Rob game or a, a, a night where you want to move away from him after 15 minutes or so and just, just roll with Grant. Yeah. And I don't know, to, to, to be fair to Rob, like you are asking a lot out of him, right? Oh yeah. It's just not a good matchup. Surgery. And like, it's not, a, it's a tough matchup for him yeah. regardless, even with the surgery. Yeah. Too. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of what I thought too. Like obviously Grant brings a lot of different things. You might, 
need, especially for this series. And I, I think I wrote about this from last life. But it's just like his shooting and his physicality, especially like match up very well, specifically against the Bucks and what they want to make the Celtics do. And it just, you know, not to say like Rob is soft or anything. I don't, I don't think that whatsoever, but it's just like, I think he's a little bit for somebody who rocks up so many blocks. Like he is more of like, I would say like more of a finesse player than, than Grant, especially. And I think that's kind of part of it. And then, and then you look at just what you're asking him to do, right? Um, like a month after Minnesota surgery, like if the physicality bothered Rob a little bit after like a month month off, and then you play like two, you know, however many, I think it was like 26 minutes against the Nets, like that wouldn't surprise me at all. So I think you you, you kind of see some some tentativeness to Rob too. Like I think with like some of his putbacks, where I look at that, I'm like, two months ago Rob was like flushing that down without yeah. like any second thought. Rather like now he's he just I don't know if it's just a mental thing, a physical thing, but just he, he clearly looks tentative out there. And I think that's affecting him a lot of ways. And, and really, I thought that decisiveness was like pretty good throughout, you know, for him throughout that, throughout the regular season, just because like, it wasn't just on offense. Like he, he, he was kind of getting more familiar defensively, like where to be and all those things. And, and that was a big deal. Whereas now, you know, I think he's just like Tatum. Like, I think he's just like maybe overthinking a little bit. And, and that kind of contributes to like him second guessing himself at times out there. Yeah, it's it's certainly gonna be something to watch, but I think that's really like that you didn't think about just the, you know, what he's coming back from and just what that's done with his, you know, feel for the game, mm-hmm. you know, just after that kind of layoff and being thrown into a series like this against a front line like this. So it's it's gonna be a big test from here. Like, and the Celtics obviously could certainly use you know the the offensive boost down low from him, but if yeah. that's that if that's not there, then I think you, you just have to go away from him more. But that'll be mm-hmm. something to watch in the series. Um, well, first, let's take a break here to, to hear from our sponsor, Bet Online. It's who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You track all the latest sports developments, including odds on these NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, boxing fights, and even next season's futures. Baseball season is also back, and so you can bet on any team there throughout the season here. And you can check out live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games and poker games on the site. Super easy to get started. Head on to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's bet online where the game starts. Um, one other development, and we brought them up briefly already, Suichi, but I want to get your more read on this. The Derek White factor, just Derek White like emerging from the Rebel in this series of like giving the Celtics something offensively, which is what they traded him for, which is, mm-hmm. I think everyone like thought this could happen. He kind of broke through and I think just, you know, any, anyone's gonna have a good shooting night. But to me, when I rewatch some of the game three and I wonder for the rest of the series now in terms of how the Bucks are defending, like mm-hmm. White seems to be able to get to where he wants to go against like yeah. the Bucks secondary, whether it's Connaughton or Grayson Allen, mm-hmm. they're obviously not going to put Drew Holiday on him because they got to use him elsewhere. So that kind of makes me think like, all right, can they just like let Derek White kind of, you know, run the show even more? He only played 21 minutes in game three. But mm-hmm. I think when you're playing like this, you should you should push for more of Derek White here. Because I think for whether it's him scoring or setting up your offense, like that's kind of what you need to, to beat a team like this Milwaukee squad. Yeah, and that's why I thought Marcus even like we said like he, he didn't exactly excel in game three, but I saw – just having Marcus and, and being able to put, or I guess being, you know, being able to put Holiday on, on Marcus and, and keeping Derek, right, like free. And like you said, like having like, you, you got to be able to punish the Bucks eventually by having Constant and Grayson Allen and those guys out there. And I think that's where 
Derek does come in and right, like it might not necessarily be the through the shooting, but like he he's done a decent job getting to the free throw line, even through his struggles, I thought. And like that's why I think you know he'll I think it was like game four or something, I guess in that's like he still ended up with like 10 points and like took like four shots or something because he went to the free throw line a ton. Or not a ton, but a, at least a few times to 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 help those numbers and, and right, like I think that's kind of why he's so quiet. Like you're like, oh, Derek Boyce at the free throw line again. You don't really, you know, if you're kind of not like paying attention paying attention you, you kind of don't realize those things so for the most part though i think derek especially like i think they're getting more and more comfortable in terms of him like running the offense and everything and, and i'm curious to see how that will look just because you do have a lot of offensive weapons whereas derek is kind of this forgotten guy and for good reason so far so you know right like <laughs> i think a 14 point game from derek what is exactly what you would expect like if he goes like 25 plus he would be like, I just don't think that's, like, quite in the cars. You know, obviously, no. you can get hot. But, like, that's not quite in the cars in terms of, like, how the Celtics want to use them. So, I think you take the 14, you'd be happy with it, and you see if you can, you know, milk a little bit more just because he was quite effective. Even, you know, people on press were joking. Like, I think he made, like, a floater early, and they were like, whoa, Derek might have made a shot. I'm like, <laughs> all right, guys, let's 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 calm down. Let's calm it down a little bit here. Like, this dude – this dude is fine. He's just, you know, in a little bit of a new scenario, new team for the Celtics. So, yeah, it's it's been a a bumpy road, but again, the his track record speaks for itself. And this is because you, you just add in like the defensive, you know, elements that he has, and so anything at this point, it's like anything you get from him on offense is a bonus. But then if it's mm-hmm. like okay, if he can turn into a Spurs self, then you're and that's like your fourth or fifth best player in the floor can like put up you know, that type of things and maybe even make the Bucks think twice about like, Oh crap, what do we, how are we going to handle this guy now? Do we have to like kind of change things a little bit in terms of how we're guarding the other guys if before he gets out of the box. And so that's something I think that they, they need him to continue to be aggressive in game yeah. four and then like kind of bottle up what he did in the second quarter and the fourth quarter at times. And now that's a game of two. That's like, if he has it going and he made it this well in, in the net series and, and smart's giving you like a one of eight or one of nine, I, I don't think you should automatically go back to smart there. Like, especially yeah. coming yeah. off this quad injury, like you, you know, you're going to go through, you know, traditionally, but if, if white has it going there, you have to, I think that has to be a, a consideration. This is a luxury that you want to use if it's there. Yeah. And I think, I think the idea of white when they traded for him, right. Like, as a sixth man coming off the bench, like I think the idea of White is what makes him so valuable, just because like, right, like if you if you sign him to the starting line, like he'll be fine, he'll contribute, he'll do his thing. But him being able to feast on those second units, I think especially it's like where he needs to find like the most value. And and who knows what that means in terms of minutes? Like maybe Ime does want you know Derek to just be like a guy that feasts on second units and everything like that. But I think that's that's kind of the con, you know, the theory of Derek White was essentially the sixth man who's is going to come balling off the bench, but that's not quite his play style, but, but I, I just think that's where he has the most value, especially, you know, if he can, if he can, you know, make a few decent, decent defensive plays, like he's good on the perimeter. Like that's where he, that's where you can go. And that's where you should go with Derek White. Like don't expect too much. Um, even if, you know, even if he is missing a bunch of threes, like I, I still think he brings a lot to the game, whether it's making the right pass, he'll rebound well, he'll defend well, he'll do all the little things that, you know, people, I, you know, I don't know, like, I thought fans would love that kind of player, but I guess, you know, the missed shots were, did kind of take a precedent just because there were so many of them. So that's, yeah. that's kind of where I, I kind of stand on Derek White there. That hurts, but right now, 
I mean, he's up to 40% from three in the series. The problem is he's shooting 27% <laughs> from the field. So that's, uh, that needs to, you know, continue bumping that up to, uh, mm-hmm. to make, get the fans back on his side. Um, all right. What, any closing other closing thoughts here for, you know, Yaz had 42. Do you like how they're kind of handling him in this series? Um, and uh, after a game like that, should they overreact to anything? I mean, I, I think they stuck with mostly single coverage there. And even the times where they, where they sent to, that was a trouble spot for them in terms of giving up the open looks there. So um, what do you are, I'll honestly ask you this. Do you like Al or Grant more on him? Like in terms of, obviously <laughs> both are going to do it, but I watch, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, beginning to learn now, like who is the best, if you have like, you know, the last minute of the game, are you yeah. putting Grant on him or are you putting Al on him? Ooh, I don't know about that one. Actually, that's a good question. I don't know. I think I would prefer Al for like one possession, right? But I think I would, I would for, for like the whole game or like if you have to split it, I think I would prefer Jan or Grant a little bit more on Giannis just because like, I don't know, like Grant does a really good job of just like getting on there like Giannis and like even KD skill. Like there are multiple times when they were just like, they're just like shoving him and just like doing all these things. And I think that kind of adds up mentally over it. But I think like if you, if you give me one possession, I think you go with Al just because this, you know, the size I think really helps him. And I don't like, you don't want to tire out Al over the course of the game. Whereas like, if, if you ask him for just one possession, I think he can really kind of dig down and, and, and get us up on Giannis. But in terms of like changing anything, I, I think, you know, like Giannis obviously scored 42 and he looked great out there. He looked like the two time MVP, et cetera, et cetera. But those people like he shot 16 for 30, um, right. one for six from three, like, you know, like, obviously like decent efficiency and not, not from three, but like he, he had his shots, but I think you look at that and you're like, okay, like this was his best game of the series by far. And, 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 and he could have like done even more damage. Like I, you know, like, I think uh, like if I think like he would have put dropped 50 on pretty much like, you know, any other team besides like the Celtics and I had like a few other top defensive teams. So I, I think you feel good about what Giannis or you feel good about what, kind of limiting what Giannis was able to do just because you could tell he was getting frustrated and, and you know, that's why his post-game comments are about the diapers and not criticizing <laughs> yeah. the refs. So that's, you know, I think the Celtics are doing a justifying job on Giannis, even if he does score 42, just because he's going to get hit. He's a two-time MVP. That's what happens. And, and it goes, it comes back to the fact that quite bluntly, like it was still a two-point game for game three there. Could have gone into overtime. And that's with Giannis going, you know, super mad basically. So. Right. And like you're running like 42 points is impressive, but when it's 30 shots, it's like, okay, that's like, mm-hmm. you know, not God awful if you're the Celtics, especially if you're not mm-hmm. doubling him a lot. And so I think the, the concern is going to four is like, you don't, you haven't had a game here where like the buck shooters have like gone nuts, mm-hmm. which I feel like is 10, you know, is due to happen at some point, mm-hmm. but whether, you know, the Celtics offense is just that, that good enough where they can say, we're not going to give you, we're not going to just let you guys get these open looks to to do that and and as we've come if they can take away transition that's pretty much where if they stop <laughs> if they stop bitching to the officials and like giving up <laughs> six or nine or 12 points a game and i guess well end on that like the this was really bad like going, going back to the film there's like the the grand play in the first half that tatum mm-hmm. had a really bad i think tatum was like literally bitching about a play at the end of the third quarter like over the course the span of like three plays where he just like was dog shit on those yeah. And they just need to like, they can't, they can't do that against a team where it is absolutely killing you when they yeah. run. Like, it's just, it just can't happen. And I mean, we'll see if it, they, they're figuring this out too late or not, but that's, that's something that like, if nothing else, like 
they just need to work their ass off to get back every time, no matter what, no matter what happens. And that they did not do enough of that in, in game three. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. You'd think by how much Ime hates the bitching to the officials that they would learn, but like, right. I don't know. Doing it, it looked like, like it was a preseason game. <laughs> like, yeah, like, bitching. come on, man. It's like game three of the Eastern Conference semifinals against the reigning champs. Like, you have like, what is it? Like, that was what? 90th game with Ime, you know? Like, I feel yeah. like that that should just stop. But here we are watching them bitch. So, who knows? Maybe they'll, they'll do it again in game four anyway. So, it's it's something to watch, and I mean Tatum <laughs> is what it is. The fact that he, you know, I, to me, more than what his shooting looks like in Game Four in the series, I'm gonna be more curious to see what his his other stats are in terms of like rebounds, assists, etc. Yeah. After like one rebound in in Game Three, was like, wow, I wonder how much that wrist is fucking him, or just like if we're, he was just that disengaged. Um, yeah, I mean, he he downplayed the wrist thing, so we'll see. I don't know, yeah. like if you if. I mean, it, like, if you want an excuse, it was served in front of Silver Platter and he declined to take it and credit to him. You know? Yeah, right. You know, like, honestly, like, good. He, he did bring it. He brought it up, though. So <laughs> <laughs> he tried, he's hedging <laughs> it nicely. <laughs> That's very true. But no, it's, it'll be fun. So, game four coming up Monday night. We will be there in attendance to bring it all down for you. But, uh, with full coverage at masslive.com. So make sure you're checking Suichi out there as well as on Twitter at Suichi Tirada. Um, and now it's just back to stuffing our face with cheese curds and, um, <laughs> and other beverages ahead of game four. Oh yeah. It's going to be great. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening guys. Make sure to check out Suichi stuff as always. We'll be back throughout the playoff run here. So stay tuned for more of that. And we'll be back talking to you guys with, some game for reaction later this week.